reasons to thank other people, reasons to be thankful. That's what we're talking about today. So at the very beginning here, to start off, what are you thankful for today? Share while um, people are hey, Go for it, Stephen. I'm thankful that we can go outside still in lockdown and have a walk in nature. Um, last weekend, uh, Lisa and I had a lovely walk, 12 kilometers or something, and yesterday we went for a six-kilometer walk. And we just drive 10, 15 minutes, and it's also close to Watford. There's the most beautiful woods and estates and nature reserves. And I'm thankful that we can be so close to green space and still go out and enjoy that. Fantastic. We are very lucky. Uh, what have we got? We've got lots of things here. Uh, Sarah, my lovely family. Yes, yes. EVA says clothes, right? Yeah. Uh, making sense. 15 years of marriage. Is that right? 15 years now? Wow. Congratulations. I drove past the church where you got married the other day and I just had a flashback to, you, to that wedding day. Uh, Advent visitors. Yes, Garth and Lissy. Uh, Tommy had a COVID test. And it turned it returned negative. Oh, that's good news. Sunday, that's good news. The Edwards not getting the virus. Good health. That's it. You know, shouldn't take it for granted. Chantil to wake up and go for an, an hour walk. That's very good. Excellent. Good for you. And something that made you grateful. Uh, Lego, Osorogi. Yeah, well, we might have predicted that. <laughs> yes, Lego. Leia, your mum and dad. Yeah, you got great parents, Leia. It's true. Pen, God being an anchor in tough times. Yeah, we're going to talk a bit more about that. Asagi's new job. You've got a new job, Asagi. Excellent. Good news. Are you, are you taking us all out for dinner as as a a, a thank, thanks offering, right? Isn't that the tradition, I think? Well, maybe. Uh, Bill, your faith. Yeah, it's a gift too and something to be thankful for. Having a spiritual family, Liesl. Samuel says, for being alive. Yeah, we shouldn't take that for granted. Life is a gift to be thankful for. Thankful for our family in the UK being safe so far despite the pandemic. Yeah, you made a big transition, Desmond, and your family. Well done. Anetta, for the multitude of ways God is present throughout this life. Uh, the Palmers, family, friends, forgiveness, and football. All the Fs right there. Okay, I like that. Uh, for the beauty of God's creation. Went for a walk. It was so beautiful. That's lovely to hear. LP, uh, the Makinsons again, having amazing work colleagues that make the tough days better. There are some, aren't there? My goodness. Um, I've been in a very, uh, I'm being, I've been reminded a lot recently of how fortunate I am and things to be thankful for. Uh, this week, I've had a lot of really just good conversations with friends uh, that have refreshed me. Uh, I think about uh, conversations with Steve Staten, some most of us wouldn't know, but an old friend of mine over in the States, we had some really good conversations about uh, Bible teaching issues and things like that. Doug Jacoby similarly had a good conversation with Roy Carter the other day some of you may know from his days when he was in the band Heatwave he's now up in our congregation in Birmingham and he took a load off me in terms of thinking about carol services this year and um, it was just a, a refreshing conversation um, Mike D'Souza I spoke to this week had a super time of conversation Tim and Chevy Dannett um, Akin my old friend who's uh, he and his family are moving to be with us soon uh, Joe, Joe and I prayed together this this week, which was great. It was lovely. I mean, it was dark, you know, and everything, but it was great. Uh, Rob Payne, Chris Bertle, Simon Dinning, Andy Azilo, Andy Boachi, all conversations that have refreshed me. Uh, Tim and Chevy, Dan, Roger Packham down in Poole. We had a great conversation this week. Um, 
even the, the more bizarre things like Charles banging on my window last night when I'm sitting here looking at this screen, watching the England rugby like on Amazon Prime and I'm staring at the screen and there's this knocking sound coming from somewhere and it was very disturbing and because it, it was Charles in the dark wearing dark clothes uh, out there. I, I didn't know what was going on, but it, uh, it was then lovely to realize it was Charles, not some evil force. Um, and, and then sharing a, a glass, virtually speaking, a glass of wine with Leon and Sarah last night was just lovely to catch up. And, and actually seeing the whole Dublin congregation last week, for those of us that were here, you know, we had that joint service and seeing people I actually haven't seen in the flesh for quite a long time and seeing the joy I think we all shared, shared together. And then above all those things, something I think I may have mentioned in a previous week this month is November is the anniversary of my baptism into Christ. I was baptized on the um, 2nd of November, 1984. And a month later, on the 2nd of December, so just coming up next week, uh, I baptized Penny, who at the time was my fiancé. And uh, that's 36 years ago uh, this coming week. And so this time of year is always one of those times that I, I think back to how fortunate I am that God has been so patient with me, both in leading me up to that time, but also in all the years uh, since then. Thankfulness is such a big deal. Indeed, we are actually commanded to be thankful. Now, this is an interesting thing because the Bible doesn't say, if you feel like it, be thankful. We are actually commanded. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, Paul writes this to the Colossians. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Be thankful. I don't think it's advice. It's, it's, it's a command, effectively. So, I don't know how you feel about that, but being commanded to be thankful is actually a little bit problematic. And we'll relate to this for any of us that have children or have had young children. When you're trying to persuade your young child to be grateful when they've been given something, so they get given a birthday gift or a Christmas gift or something, and they're, they're a little bit, you know, they don't like the gift or, or they take it for granted, they run off with it without saying thank you, and then we try to get them to come back and say thankful to the aunt or the uncle or the grandparent or whatever it was, that whoever it was that gave it to them. And we're saying, you know, say thank you. And then they do this thing where they say, thank you, and, and, and run off. You know, they, they've, they've done their duty. But let's face it, uh, most of us parents, we've had those moments when we've been uh, unable to change the heart of the child at that point in time. And so simply being commanded to be thankful is a bit of a challenge. Unless we understand and remember why we're being commanded why we're being encouraged to remember to be thankful. And we do need reminders to be thankful. And I'll give us two, two thoughts, and I've got some questions for us. And the first is this. Looking at this passage and the way that the lepers deal with Jesus and the way that Jesus deals with them and the one who is comes back to express his gratitude, I think the first thing we see that helps them to be thankful, this one to be thankful, is the compassion of Jesus the compassion of Jesus. The compassion of Jesus inspires our gratitude. The compassion of Jesus inspires you and I to be thankful and grateful. If you want to know how to tap into being grateful to Jesus and thankful to Jesus, then you need to tap into it, it, the compassion of Jesus, being reminded of the compassion of Jesus. 
So when, let's go back to the passage a second here. So it says that he's traveling along between Samaria and Galilee. So he's going south down to Jerusalem. He's on the border between Samaria and Galilee. He goes into a village. He's on his way into the village and there are some men with leprosy who meet him. They stand at a distance and call out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So why do you think they stand at a distance? What do you think the reason for that is? They were outcasts, right? And they knew it. Yes. Social distancing. <laughs> because they had leprosy. Yeah, okay, I like that. Yeah, it was the law. That's right. They weren't supposed to come close. They had to stay outside the village. Le Leviticus 13 and Numbers 5, if you want to look up references for that, we'll give you that. And it was infectious. And uh, exactly, Garth and Lisa, yes. They... It's interesting that they did stick to the law. And it's also interesting that despite that, they revealed themselves. They revealed themselves by calling out in a loud voice. So what we see is, in a sense, they're being respectful. By staying at a distance, they're being respectful of Jesus. They're being respectful of the law, of, as they know it, the law of God. And they're showing an appropriate sense of humility. They're not demanding something of Jesus here. They're not saying, come and do this, you have to do it. They're saying loudly, master, again, master, a very respectful word here, master, um, have pity on us. They call him by name, Jesus, personal, but also master, recognizing that he's he is the master, and have pity on us. They're asking for his compassion. They need something. They're not actually at this point asking for healing, interestingly enough, but they, they know they need something, and so they... They ask without demanding. They approach Jesus with hope, with humility, and I'd say with courage, because even though they were holding to what the Lord told them to do, they were still likely to be shouted down and rejected and told to go further away by the other people that would have been around Jesus at the time. And maybe Jesus was, would do that himself. They, they can't be certain. He wouldn't. So it takes courage to ask Jesus for what we want. So experiencing the compassion of Jesus also takes some courage and faith on our part to approach him for what we need. Do we approach Jesus for what we need? Do we tell him what's on our heart? Telling him what we feel we really need for ourselves and perhaps for people we care about, approaching him. In Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, a passage I suspect we know fairly well, it's interesting how in the Lord's Prayer, there are a lot of almost demands. There's a, a strong emphasis Jesus gives us on letting God know what we want and what we need. Uh, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. These are all things we need. I mean, half the prayer is about things we need, things we want. Daily bread, forgiveness, leading us not to temptation, deliver us from evil. In fact, the, the verbs in the Greek are in the imperative. They're almost more like demands, like, God, you've promised, give it to me. There's a, in some senses, what that's saying is that we can approach God with confidence because we know he cares. We know the heart of God is one of compassion. It says in Hebrews 4, verse 15, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, see these the therefores are very important in, in the Bible. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence, not with temerity, not with nervousness, not with uh, hesitation, not with fear. Let us draw near with confidence to find grace, uh, to, the, to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How are we going to experience the compassion of Jesus that then helps us to be thankful unless we approach him with what we need? Telling him what's on our hearts, telling him what we need, like <clears throat> I need a throat that doesn't have a frog in it. What do we need? Letting him know what it is. So here's a question which any of us can answer or you can just ponder it. But here's a question for you. How has the compassion of Jesus shown up in your life? Salvation, uh, Garth, for sure. Thank you. Yes. Lucia, God's answers to so many prayers. You should write those down sometime right? and, and share those answer prayers with us. Dawn and Leia, in my marriage and parenting, I've made so many mistakes. Yeah, well, you're not the only parent that would feel that way, Dawn, that's for sure. A lot of compassion. Penny, through the kindness of friends, isn't it often the hands of others and the mouths and hearts of others that really show us, express to us the compassion of Jesus? We talked about that a week or two ago. Lucia, the fact I'm still here despite being in a bad train accident, so God had mercy and preserved your life. That's wonderful. Okay, God's blessings in a difficult world. Yeah, yeah, life is challenging. It is, but God still blesses us. Excellent, thank you. Any more? God's compassion. Here's a thought. Maybe you'd like to take some time later on today or soon. Maybe one of your, you know, what we call our quiet times. Take a, take, a, take a moment and pray and reflect back on your life and look for evidence of the compassion of Jesus. Look for evidence of his mercy. You know, as most of you will know, uh, our son Fred, when he was, what was he, eight or nine pen, I think around that time, he got meningococcal septicemia and uh, he nearly died. Uh, the doctors at the time gave him a 50-50 chance of pulling through. I remember the prayers that I was praying in the chapel in the hospital. I remember praying with Archie Kendall. I remember John Perez coming and being with me, John Partington, Adrian Hill and others being supportive. And that was the compassion of Christ through those wonderful people. But also just feeling that sense of compassion after about 48 hours he began to recover. Uh, I won't forget that. I will. I really hope I don't forget. Not just Fred's recovery, for which I'm very grateful, but but the fact that Jesus had compassion. He answered those prayers in the way that we were asking for. It's um, it's really helpful and healthy to reflect on the evidence of the compassion of Jesus in your life and mine. That helps us to be truly thankful, truly thankful for what God has done. So that's the first thing I see in this passage is. The reason why this one Samaritan comes back thankful is because he has been in touch with the compassion of Jesus. 
And that begs the question, before we go on, as to how we can show the compassion of Jesus to other people. And that's just something for us, again, to reflect on. How can I show people the compassion of Jesus today, tomorrow, and in the week to come? What, what, is, what will God allow into my life to, sh to provide a channel for the compassion of Jesus to go from him through my heart through, into somebody else so that they can experience it? So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, the second thing I see in the passage is it's the power of Jesus that makes us thankful. The power of Jesus makes the leper thankful. Um, it says that when he saw them in verse 14, which implies perhaps he didn't see them straight away, perhaps they were a bit further distant, they were shouting. But when he sees them, he, uh, he gives them a simple instruction. And he says, go show yourselves to the priests and as they went they were cleansed and so it's really interesting this isn't it because it's quite compressed it's quite simple other times jesus does other things right he puts some um makes he spits in the mud he makes some mud he sticks it on somebody's eyes to heal them other people he touches other people they touch him different things he does but this time he just says okay off you go Go and find the local priest, show yourself to them. And they had to do that because that's the instruction from the Old Covenant as to uh, uh, what you do. And you go and show yourself to the priest and they verify that you are healed or, and you don't have leprosy anymore. And then you can rejoin the community. That's what they're, they're meant to do. I think there's a scripture reference I gave Stefan somewhere. He might better stick in there. But it's in the Old, in the old Covenant. So that's, that's, um, that's what they actually do. It's, it's remarkably simple. They just go. And is I think I'm sure that Luke recorded this in the way he did very deliberately, and the Holy Spirit got it recorded very deliberately. That what we see is it's not that they're healed and then they go; it's that they go and they're healed on the way. The power of Jesus is made manifest in their life as a result of their obedience. To what Jesus teaches them, what Jesus tells them, his command, his uh, his his uh, the way in which he tells them this can work for them, and so we see a, a a high level of trust from these lepers in Jesus. They don't wait and say, "Well, okay, Jesus, come on, heal us then, and then we'll go and see the priest." Because what's the point? We can make all that journey and get all that way, and it can be for no good. Plus. If we're going to go into the village or go down to the, find the temple or go and find uh, the priests in Jerusalem and, and look for them, we're going to have to encounter other people. And if we've still got leprosy, they'll say we're unclean, that we might even get stoned to death. I mean, all kinds of things can happen. So tell you what, Jesus, appreciate your willingness to heal us. Appreciate your compassion. Appreciate your, your instruction. And we will go to the priest because we know that's what we need to do according to the law. But first, we need some healing. And I'm sure that it's recorded this way for our benefit, to understand that much of the power of Jesus in our lives only becomes available, it only becomes real when we get on and do what Jesus teaches us, when we follow his example, when we obey his commands, not out of a sense of duty, not as some kind of magic spell, so as long as I do this and I'll get that, not like some kind of formula or algorithm, no, but out of a trust, out of a trust in him, 
You've said if I confess my sins that I, that I will be refreshed. You said that if I repent, I will be brought close to you. You said that if I, if I treat people with love, even though I'm not loved back, it will be worth it. You have said love my enemies and so I will. You have said pray for those who persecute you and I will. You've, you said that it's good to be meek rather than seek your own revenge on people. Well, okay, then I will be meek even though I don't feel like it, even though I don't want to be, but I'm going to do it not just because it's a command but because I trust you. You see what we see in this passage is they trust Jesus. And this is why the power of Jesus is made manifest in their lives. Without that trust, there is no obedience. Without that, then we don't know that they would be healed. I, I think it's a, a wonderful thing. I really admire these lepers. I admire them for their trust. I certainly admire the one who came back to thank Jesus, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but I admire all of them. They say, okay, that's what you've said. Go show yourselves to the priests as they went, they were cleansed. There's something in there for you and me. There's something in there, because especially for those of us who've been around a while and we might have um, you know, we might have read this quite a bit and heard it preached quite a bit. We might be able to quote it quite well. We're used to the idea that there are commands and really good things in here. But it's possible to know that and yet over time lose the perspective that this is meant to be practiced. It's meant to be put into practice. A lot of what Stefan's lessons have been about over the last few months as you've been going through uh, the letters, uh, the epistles of John, uh, there's some really deep stuff in there, which I really appreciate, Stefan, you, you bring out. But also what Stefan brings out is that there, there are things in there for us to do. There are ways to live. There are ways to be different. When we did the, um, the teaching day on the Beatitudes beginning of this year, back in February, believe it or not, that long ago, the Beatitudes are wonderful expressions of the kingdom, but they're also ways to live, not just things to believe. They're ways to live. The Sermon on the Mount is not just things to do. It's a way to live. We get away from hypocritical religion or Pharisaism or legalism by not seeing the Bible as just a list of rules, but as, as the way of life, to live life, to, to let the power of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, loose in our lives, to transform us more into Christ-likeness. And that leads to a lot of thankfulness. A thankful person is the person you want to be around. Have you ever been around, and I'm not going to ask you to identify anybody, but have you ever been around somebody who is a believer? Let's put it that way. They believe in Jesus. They say they believe in the Bible, but they are a grouchy person. They, they don't have any thankfulness in their life. And I, I, you know, I'm not going to again point fingers because I'm sure I've been like this myself at times. But the, 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 a Christian is somebody, if they're really a Christian, they really have the Holy Spirit and we really understand who Jesus is and we really trust him, then we're the kind of people who live thankful, thankful lives, not because we have to be thankful, but because we can, we, we are experiencing the compassion of Jesus and we're experiencing the power of Jesus because we live what Jesus teaches. We live his heart in this world. So the question I would like us to, to think about, not asking you to answer right now, but just to uh, contemplate, is, are you willing this week, have you, are you set up in your heart this week to go and live the life of Jesus, go and live the teaching of Jesus, to live it out so that, so that the power of Jesus can be made manifest in your life, to change you, to transform you, to grow you into Christ-likeness so that the people around you can be blessed? How will the people in this world be blessed by the power of Jesus unless they see that transformation in our own lives.
And that, that transformation can be seen. We're designed by God to be to be that kind of person as we live what Jesus teaches. Perhaps, perhaps God's already put something on your heart. Perhaps you know there's something. There's something of the heart and life of Jesus that God has been trying to get your attention with. Well then, how could you live that this week? Your circumstances, I dare say, are quite a lot different to mine. That's okay. But how could we live it? So this one chap comes back. The the nine the nine other lepers go and do what they're, they're told, and so does the tenth one. But the tenth one realizes on the way, my word, I've been healed. This is amazing. And so before he completes what Jesus said, he comes back to Jesus, and it says, he praised God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. Not not a pleasant thing in that climate in that time, uh, but he just was so thankful. And the uh, the punchline in some ways, especially for the original readers of the day, he was a Samaritan, not a Jew, and that's a whole other topic for another time. But he he was a certainly a stranger, a, an alien, a foreigner, as Jesus said. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? This one is beyond. Uh, the covenant, well, that we see tremendous, tremendous gratitude here. We see the way that that we see that we see the transformation of the heart here. That he breaks the routine. This one chap and comes back, praising God in a loud voice. You notice that his thankfulness is rooted in the God who healed him. It's the power of God. It's, it's having been touched by the compassion of God and the power of God that means he comes back to thank Jesus specifically and personally. Uh, Jesus asks the question, just this one and, and a Samaritan. Um, it's a shame the others don't come back, but I think Jesus is grateful for the one who does come back. And he says, rise and go. And there's an association there with the resurrection. The word rise is not common in the New Testament. He's, it's a prefiguring of the resurrection here. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And the word well there is the same word as saved. You've been made right. You've been put back together. You've been healed in every sense. You've come to know the compassion of God. You've come to know the power of God. It's real to you. You've seen it. And you know what? I, I am sure that that one former leper was going to be the person, one of those people who went around telling everybody what Jesus had done. That's what happens when we have the power and compassion of Christ touch our own lives. So what do we learn about faith from this passage? I suggest we learn that faith is one of those things that is real when we are active with what we believe. We believe in something, then we are active with it. Faith is something that uh, is demonstrated by action, and it is something that is rooted in our trust in Jesus, that we trust his compassion and we trust his power. I'm reminded of a song we sing sometimes called Thank You, Lord. It, uh, you'll know it, most of us. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. And thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole 
and saving my soul. What's the second verse? See, you go from recognizing what God has already done to the way it makes us thank God and praise him. Let us all with one accord sing praises to Christ the Lord. Let us all unite in song and praise him all day long. And the third verse is about what we do now, what we do next, where we go from here. Please reveal your will for me so I can serve you for eternity. Use my life in every way. Take hold of it today. And the chorus each time, thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Well, I'm not going to ask you to share it, but I wonder what the Holy Spirit might have put on your heart from today. What's God, what's God prompting you with as you've been thinking about these ten lepers, and especially the one that came back to give thanks? In what way might you connect more with the compassion of Jesus? In what way might you connect more with the power of Jesus? In what way could you be refreshed by that and then thankful and then live a thank-filled life? Thankful for the things, the simple things we have, like a glass of water. Thankful that we can see each other here. Thankful for those things because God is in the everyday. But not thankful in the sense that we're only going to be happy as long as we have those things. But truly thankful because we know, and this is fundamental to the whole thing for me, this is the foundation of the whole thing, we're thankful fundamentally not because we have nice things and not because we have our friends here, not because of most of the things we put in the in the chat box, and they're all fine, but not, not we're thankful for all those things, but those things are not what make us happy deeply, rooted in our, in our joy. The thing ultimately we're most thankful for is the fact that God loves us. <laughs> I mean, it's so simple to say, but God loves us. Uh, the compassion of Christ is ours and his power is with us. We can depend upon his compassion. We can depend upon his power. And that makes us deeply thankful at a level where if we don't have any of these other things, it's okay. We lack nothing. The Lord is our shepherd. We lack nothing. You may lack a bank balance you'd like, you may lack the energy you'd like, but truthfully, you lack nothing if you have God, his compassion and his power. And so with those thoughts in mind, we're going to go and take communion together because of lots of reasons, but in connection with what we're talking about today, because the cross and the empty tomb is the ultimate expression of both the compassion of Christ and the power of Christ. The compassion of Christ because he was willing to go to the cross and bear the penalty of our sins. And the power of Christ, or the power of God in Christ, because he raised him from the dead and the tomb is eternally empty. So that's what we're going to do right now is pray. And then if you've got your bread and wine ready, we can take communion together. So let's pray.